Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Revolution 250 podcast. I'm Bob Allison. I chair the Rev 250 Advisory Group. We're a collaboration among about 70 groups in Massachusetts looking at ways to commemorate the American Revolution. And our guest today is Kirsten Marcel, who is an author and adventurer into history. She's working on a five-volume projected adult uh, fantasy series called The Enlightened. Book one is out called Witness to the Revolution. But we're here to talk to her about another project, uh, that is her research into General Thaddeus Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko, there are many different pronunciations <laughs> of the general's name, and we will hear more about him now from Kirsten Marshall. Kirsten, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And I see I lost my camera, so let me quick. Well, now we have back. back. There we go. Great. Okay. It must be the L because I'm coming to you from Chicago today. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So Thaddeus Kosciuszko was another one of our foreign friends who just got really caught up in the the movement and the excitement of the Revolutionary War. He had kind of a, a sad um, inspiration for joining us. He had lost his connection to the love of his life. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had um, been studying for a while um, in Europe, mostly in Paris. Um, he wanted to be a hussar, which was a winged knight soldier in Poland. And he spent his entire life kind of pretty much been telling that he wasn't quite good enough. Mm. So having soldiered, studied, he came back from Paris. His father had died a few years earlier. He came back to his, his inheritance having been squandered by his older brother, no means to buy a commission in the Polish army like he had wanted to. So he um, started tutoring two young women and had the misfortune of falling in love with one of the two young women, Ludwika Sosnowski, and if I'm saying that correctly. And um, he, they had tried to elope and were caught in the, in the means of getting away. They had been betrayed by a friend. And so she got hauled off by her dad and the soldiers and he got beaten senseless and left in the street. So um, he sort of kind of lost his way for a few months, ended up back in Paris. And this was in 1775, I believe. And just Paris was just alive with this news of, of uh, Lexington and Concord and of course the Boston Tea Party. And he just got caught up in it and uh, found a means to um, just kind of find liberty that he had wanted for himself and for his own home country. And he came over with some of the French um, as an engineer and uh, had a bit of a crazy ride getting over here too. And um, found himself in Philadelphia and found himself speaking no English, just French and Polish. And he looked for the most famous American he could find. And that was Benjamin Franklin who got him his start. Wow. Well, now, yeah. it, he, Fascinating story, but he's yeah. also been training as an engineer while he's been going to military school in France and in Poland. So that's really a very valuable skill that Washington was really looking for. Correct. He um, Part of his training, whether it was um, in the Corps of Cadets, which had just started, he was part of the inaugural class in Poland, started by the royal family. He was there under scholarship by one of the princes, or when he was in France, they, um, military construction forts um, were a part of his education, ancient Greek and Roman warfare. Mm -hmm. All of that was part of his training. So yes, when he came over, the first Washington heard of him was, um, we think we see him writing about 
Kosciuszko in December of 1776. And he, he thinks of him as a French engineer because that's all he knows is he came mm -hmm. over with the engineers. He has built Forts um, Billingsport and Fort Mercer on the um, uh, Delaware around mm -hmm. Philadelphia and is gaining for himself a great reputation as just being a, a good, easy to work with person. Right. He, he got in very, very close with um, Gates who was commanding at the time where he was there. And mm -hmm. so, yes, that was exactly what Washington needed. In fact, when he met um, Benjamin Franklin, the way their conversation was recorded um, through a biography down the road by one of his Kosciuszko's assistants, it went something like, um, you know, I'm here to take the officer's exam. And he starts telling Franklin about all these courses and Franklin's mm, wow. like, who would give you this exam? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know more than we do. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. So we're, we're talking with Kirsten Marcel about uh, Thaddeus Kosciuszko, the Polish officer who comes. And then I think um, you are from upstate New York and part of your lead in into this was finding out what's happening in that area. And he really does a lot of work in along the Hudson River and uh, up to Lake Champlain. Correct. Um, from Philadelphia, when Horatio Gates was given command of Fort Ticonderoga, he was given sole command of Fort Ticonderoga, even though General Philip Schuyler was in charge of, mm -hmm. it started out as the New right. York or separate department, eventually became the Northern Department. Um, he wanted to take some of the French engineers that he had been working with in Philadelphia and Kosciuszko was one of those people. So he mm. ended up at Fort Ticonderoga and he's the one where um, uh, Trumbull, the painter, had kind of given Gates this idea that maybe Mount Defiance, which overlooks Fort Ticonderoga, mm. was going to be a problem. Right. And so he sent Kosciuszko to go s navigate, survey that area, and he climbed Defiance. And he's mm. like, yes, absolutely, this is a problem. We need to mm. do something about it. And unfortunately, through politics, mm. with Horatio Gates and General Schuyler just hating each other and constantly right. butting heads for command, once Schuyler got Horatio Gates kicked out, that kind of put an end to Kosciuszko's, you know, wanting to build uh, fortifications up on Mount Defiance and getting mm. cannons up there to defend the fort. And they didn't. And they didn't. And it ended up getting the commanding officer, St. Clair, um, mm. and and Schuyler court-martialed. They, right. uh, they were removed from command. And both men actually asked for the court-martial, I believe, to clear yeah. their names. It took over a year to get one. Wow. And Kosciuszko um, testified for St. Clair, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah. then the British fortified Mount Defiance, and that, that I think they did. They yeah. did. Um, yeah, most people know that um, the traitor who should not be named came in with the Green Mountain Boys, took yeah. it, and then yeah. the British took it back as they right. were coming yeah. down from Canada. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. And then he's involved in fortifying West Point and making it more than just a um, lone fort. That is, he sees a way of creating a system of river defenses, and so West Point is really critical to that. Correct. Um, he had gone through Battle of Saratoga, built the fortifications there, so he had really gained the attention mm -hmm. of right. um, General Washington at that point. So when they were looking to chain off the river, they had made attempts in October through the fall of 77, Fort Montgomery, where the original chain was, got sacked, but everybody knew that the Hudson River was the key to controlling mm -hmm. the war, controlled right. where the men were coming from, the supplies were coming from. Mm -hmm. He sent Kosciuszko there, and um, not Kosciuszko's fault, but he got into a little bit of a thing with the chief engineer there as well. Yeah. But at that point, um, the Frenchman, Colonel de la Radier, uh, had already torqued off everybody at West no. Point. 
um, basically he was arguing where the where the fortifications needed to be, not knowing that General Washington already said West Point is the place. Right. Yeah. yeah. So eventually Washington replaced Delaradier with uh, Kosciuszko, and yes, he spent two and a half years there yeah. building up Fort um, wow. West Point. Yeah. Well, did we skip over Saratoga too quickly? Should we talk a little bit more about that? Here's yeah, let's back up to Saratoga because he, I think, is this, is the hero of Saratoga. Forget the traitor who shall not okay. be named. Forget yeah. Gates taking credit as he always did. It really was Kosciusko because um, when Ticonderoga fell, all the men sort of scattered. Like they they abandoned mm -hmm. ship. They abandoned Fort Ticonderoga. Yeah, like three in the morning, yeah. according to some of the journals. Yeah. And so the, the militia and everyone just kind of freaked out and ran for it. And Kosciusko is one of the men who got on his horse and he sort of rallied up the militia and led them down. And they, they um, came down to modern day Cahos. I can't remember the island where they landed, but Kosciusko mm -hmm. kind of brought them there and said, look, we need to make a stand, but it's gotta be further north. They were mm. like nine miles north of Albany at that point. Right. And so Kosciusko gets sent out with some men. He rides up to what is modern day Stillwater and he finds Bemis Heights. And it said when he sees uh, it, his eyes got big and he starts uh, riding around in circles and this is the place. So he designed the um, fortifications at Saratoga at Bemis Heights. And not only that, he was given command of two units. So according to Gates's aide-de-camp, who wrote a memoir down the road, Kosciusko was the one who was allowed to choose where the brigades were stationed. So not only hmm. did he build the fortifications, he chose where the men were going. Really? Yes, even though Horatio Gates was, of course, in charge. And yeah. it so stymied um, gentleman Johnny Burgoyne that he, he couldn't make a direct attack on the Americans. He kind of went around through the woods, and that's where we get our first battle of Freeman's Farm that did not hmm. go so well. And then a second attempt as, as um, Burgoyne tried to dig in and, and mm. tried to make a second assault to, to escape. But at that point, you know, the militia, the Americans were pouring in to about 13,000 to his mm. less than seven. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah. So he is, uh, I mean, we'll say he's the hero because he sees the place where we can stop this British advance. And I mean, having that eye for the um, battlefield is really an extraordinary thing, an extraordinary um, ability to have, and then to build the fortifications, which is not an insignificant skill. No, and it really was the terrain. Gates even mm -hmm. recognized in a letter in 77, he wrote to his friend, Dr. Benjamin Rush, and spoke about how it was, let's face it, that, and that's his words, let's face it, it's the terrain, it was the hills, and it was a young, brilliant Polish officer who knew mm -hmm. how to use it to their mm -hmm. advantage. Now the men who are under his command are they artillery or are they uh, infantry? Um, he said he had two units that were. He did, and and he, he wasn't officially put in command. It was really more that Skyler at that point had said, um, "You get to call the shots." Okay. So, okay. Good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah. nobody was taking a, an engineer who was a colonel at that point and saying, right. "You're in charge." Had he had he learned English by this point? He, he had, he was learning English throughout. So you can actually see some of his letters. He was writing back and forth to Gates while he was in Ticonderoga. He's, mm -hmm. There's letters throughout that he has written. They are in English, obviously mm -hmm. not perfect English, but um, very, you know, good, very communicable English. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think few people were writing perfect English at that point. So that, that is true, <laughs> that is true.
Yeah, and, and, and then it's at West Point when he meets Agrippa Hull, someone who will have a relationship with for really for the rest of their lives. Yes, that's correct. Um, and there's this story I hesitate to tell because um, it's it doesn't really hold up, I don't think. But um, they were they were close friends. He mm -hmm. was um, a, a freed black man who who worked with Kosciuszko, traveled with Kosciuszko. He was nicknamed Grippy. Mm -hmm. And his big claim to fame was that he was um, African royalty. Hmm. And so at one point, Kosciuszko goes off um, for a meeting, a dinner, I forget. And he comes back and Grippy is in his hut and he has drunk all his alcohol. He is drunk. He is wearing Kosciuszko's clothing and mm -hmm. partying it up with other men. And so um, when Kosciuszko comes in, he's he's mortified. Grippy starts apologizing and, you know, please don't, you know, throw me out, whatever. And Kosciuszko in his manner, I, as, as I guess um, soldiers are apt to do, I don't know, mm -hmm. um, they decide to punish him by, by teasing him. And so yeah. they dress him up as an African king and start um, wow. parading him around, you know, all hail the king. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah, that, yes. And he never did that again. But they, they were, they were, they were lifelong friends for as mm -hmm. long as, uh, yeah, they were together. What, what does uh, Agrippa Hull do after the war? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It's I interesting. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Connections. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he has become, um, with Gates, and then he goes with Gates down south. So can we talk a bit about, we're, we're talking with Kirsten Marshall, um, who is the author of a series called The Enlightened, book one witness to the revolution. And we're talking about one of the characters or figures in that, as well as in the revolution, Thaddeus Kosciuszko. And I apologize if I keep mispronouncing his name. That's okay. Nobody, again, nobody knew how to say his name. Nobody knew how to spell his name. There, it's what makes him so hard to research. Is yeah. You can't search for him under his name. It took Washington a couple of years to finally realize that he was important enough that he should learn how to spell his name. Really? Well, no internet back then. So no, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took a few letters, I think, from uh, from um, Thaddeus himself to Washington to learn that. Um, I get a little, I'm not as good with his Southern Department history because okay. most of my research is for sure. the Northern Department with my books. But he does end up going down with Gates when Gates takes command of the Southern Department. Mm -hmm. It doesn't last long because of the Battle of Camden. Right, very, yeah. very badly and he... Yeah he retreats, um, but mm -hmm. he had asked for Kosciuszko. Um, Duportail was the um, chief engineer at that point. Right. He had been captured. They needed one anyway. Mm -hmm. um, Gates had been pushing to on, on Kosciuszko's behalf to get him out and get him promoted. Washington, in fact, had been writing to Congress mm -hmm. to get him promoted, um, but between French politics and everybody, like, what about me? Kosciuszko's yeah. like, you know what, just, just let it go. Just yeah. let it go. So, um, we get down to, you know, the South and um, Nathaniel Green comes in to replace mm -hmm. um, Gates. And so Kosciuszko's there at that point. He had written to Washington and said, please, I want to get into the action. I've done all that I can at Washington mm -hmm. or at West Point with all of the supplies that I have. And so he did come under Nathaniel Gates. He did um, act mm -hmm. as a soldier. He was at, at places like Yorktown. He did mm -hmm. still continue with engineering. He helped mm -hmm. map out the rivers so that um, Green could escape. Um, I forget what it's called, the race to... The Dan. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So it was through um, Kosciuszko's mapping of that 
area that Nathaniel Green was able to get through and get to where he needed to yeah. be for that. So um, he did have a funny experience at Yorktown, um, if I may. Sure. Uh, poor Kosciuszko, um, of course, still the soldier, still the engineer, was examining the entrenchments that they had built. And so the way the story goes is that he was standing outside of the entrenchment looking out upon the British and they start shooting as they do. Mm. And he's, he does what you're supposed to do. You take care of the first problem first and worry about the second problem second. So he jumps out of the way into the entrenchment and lands right on somebody's bayonet and uh, wow. takes that's a bayonet painful. right on his butt. Oh, that's painful. <laughs> and the soldiers did not let him forget it, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, teasing, as we said, is part oh, of the yeah. whole. It's, uh, yeah, it's that gallows humor. Yeah. It's what gets you through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now, as you said, you're an author and adventurer into history, not a right. professional historian, which doesn't take away. So how did you get interested in these stories? That is a good question, because um, I hated history growing up. I was not a history fan at all. I don't know about you, but I grew up sitting at a desk and taking notes from a chalkboard, which is like the worst way yeah, to learn it history. Is, yeah. It totally is. Um, but I was a museum educator for a few years, which is yeah. how I got interested in researching and started mm -hmm. discovering it as more of this this, um, this adventure, this mm -hmm. um, detective work that you do. But it was through... Um, my my academic studies that I became a research assistant for a professor who's writing about James Madison's contribution to okay. the Constitutional Convention of 1787. One of my jobs was to research a man named George Wythe. Right. And, yes. And so if you've ever been to Colonial Williamsburg, you've probably been to his house. Yeah. Um, and we he, had actually the folks from the Wikipedia with us a few weeks ago. Oh, there. excellent. Oh. Excellent. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, but it was it was through studying him and having to being asked to study who were his pupils at the Constitutional Convention. You can't mm -hmm. look into men's education without seeing their war experience. And so you just I just started learning these stories and their mm -hmm. histories. And it just it was fascinating to me. It really is. And I, I you know. OK, so I grew up always fascinated with history, but not because I was learning it in school, but because um, I saw places and heard stories and read a lot. And I think that's one of the, uh, a number of years ago, I did a number of teacher workshops and asking how people got interested in history. And invariably it was, uh, A, you might like to read, which is, I think we're a small group, but mm -hmm. often it was, I had my mother, my uncle took me to historic sites, my father, and we saw these yeah. places. And yeah. that was, I think, one of the big hooks, as well as someone who's able to tell stories. And getting the stories, I think, is really the critical thing, because mm -hmm. that's what makes it interesting. And, you know, um, George Wythe is a fascinating character for a lot of reasons. Um, and the, and Thaddeus Kosciuszko, I mean, that story you told, he has this um, failed romance and that leads him to come to America where he then has this fabulous career and then his, things don't go well for him when he returns to Poland because of a, but this is really the way we capture people's interest in history. And I really thank you for doing this and sharing this. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know why we do such a bad job teaching this because it really is interesting. Yeah, I think because um, I was an educator for for years as an arts educator, like I said, as a museum educator, mm -hmm. and it really is when when you have good teachers and the money in your school to look beyond the sitting at your desk and the read, yeah. the write, the arithmetic, 
and really just put it all together and try to find ways for students to experience it. Like you said, going to places like Fort Ticonderoga or the mm -hmm. Boston Teary experience, anything like that, that can really help immerse students in. That's where the fun is. That's where the stories are. Because these are real people. Right. And it's learning who they were. And in some ways, they're just like us. They had worries and concerns and fears and hopes and dreams. And they just lived in different circumstances. That's true. Uh, Jonathan tells me that in the archivists at West Point in a few days, four days, are going to be opening up a time capsule that was yes. placed under Kosciuszko's statue in 1828. Yes, I'm so excited about that because I was able to get a tour of West Point as part of my research for my book. And so the statue came down in 2021. There was a crack in the base. And when they did that, that's how they discovered that there's a time capsule in there. Wow. And so on um, August 28th, the time capsule is being opened. And I will be tuned in because I am so excited about that. Oh, right. Yeah. Do you have any idea what's in it? No, not a clue. Which is kind of funny. You do have to wonder if if they know. Does I don't know. Do they record these things back in the eighteen hundreds? What they put in there? But I'm really not. the reason they put it yeah. in is so it will be remembered. I don't know if there's a list somewhere else of what's in it. Right. So yeah. Hopefully wow, it survived. That's fascinating. So eighteen twenty eight, his statue is put at West Point um, because he was um, connected with the creation of West Point as a fort, and long before it becomes the military academy, it is the strategic point. And actually, yeah, as an interesting story too that I learned, um, when, because Kosciuszko designed, uh, designed so much of mm -hmm. the fortifications, all of the batteries, he designed Fort Putnam, I believe, that looks down over West Point, helps secure that. Um, he had the plans for West Point drawn up. And when he was transferred to the South, he was so ecstatic, but he didn't know who his replacement was. He went to his old landlady and he stored all the plans, all the maps with her until the replacement could be named. And mm. he came in and I think they had dinner before he did actually take off, completely slipped his mind because he was so excited to finally be back to soldiering. He didn't tell the guy where the plans were. So he leaves, um, I think the same exact day, I want to say it's August 6, 1780, that um, the trader who should not be named gets command of West Point. So th the trader comes in and he doesn't have the plans for West Point. So this makes, it slows him down mm. from dealing with um, Andre from the, the British side mm. in, in sharing where the weaknesses are for the port, uh, for the fort, where, um, you know, what they can do to turn it over and allow the British to pour in. So the trader actually has to go through with the new chief engineer and inspect the entire wow. area. And then, of course, when the whole plot's uncovered, the landlady still has the plans and she flips because naturally a witch hunt starts. Anybody right. who yeah. has helped the trader is going to get sure. it. And yeah. she doesn't want to be one of the people who's going to get it. She burns all of Kosciuszko's plans wow. for West Point. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now that, so, that's a fascinating story. So, yeah, and you don't yeah. learn that in school. <laughs> I know, really, really. Um, uh, by the way, Jonathan has found out more about Agrippa Hull that he does wind up Excellent. becoming a large landowner in Berkshire County, Massachusetts, oh, and neighbor yeah. of Elizabeth Freeman, who is one of the people whose freedom suits will end slavery in Massachusetts in the 1780s. So that's uh, 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 and I, I, it's, 
fascinating stories about all of these people. When we uncover, when we look at these as people who are engaged in things, I think it's a way of connecting kids with what history really is. Um, yeah. So we're yeah. talking with Kirsten Marshall, who is the author, an author and adventurer into history, author of The Enlightened. One of the cool stories too that you don't yeah. really hear about that um, I think yeah. people get interested in is during the court martial of St. Clair, because Chusco and Angelica Schuyler's husband, um, Church, Carter, whatever his yeah. name was, um, they got into a real big tiff over this um, duel between Gates and, um, oh, the gentleman's name is escaping me. I want to say it's Livingston maybe, who, um, is how Washington found out about the whole Conway Cabal, the whole plot to right. remove right. Washington um, with someone who worked closely with Gates. And so mm -hmm. Gates was, of course, miffed because he yes. was the running contender to take over for Washington. It put him in a bad way. And right. so um, they had decided to duel. Carter was Livingston's second. Um, Kosciuszko was Gates's second. There's this mm. whole thing. It, 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 you know, nothing, Nobody was hurt, but there was this incident of Carter writing up this um, certificate saying that, because she's going to learn later because his English wasn't very good, it was dark out, learning that um, Livingston was completely free and clear of what had happened with the mm. whole Conway cabal and nothing said about Gates. And so they, like, because she's stormed back in. He's like, hey, can I see that certificate? Takes it back, refuses to give it back to Carter. And they end up, like, did 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 back and forth in the um, media at each other. And it reaches a, a boiling point when Kosciuszko is testifying at St. Clair's um, court martial in September 6th and 7th, I think it is, 1778. And he comes in, Carter comes in, and he pulls a pistol on Kosciuszko, and they have to call the guards out to chase him off. It's wow. This whole wow. huge, yeah, who knew? Um, and, of course, everybody thankfully sides with Kosciuszko. But, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, do you get a sense... Um, Kosciuszko is able, to, is he, because we kind of see the Gates-Washington split as a big thing. Is he on the Gates side? Does he come around to Washington? How does Washington get along with him? Washington is, um, from all the letters I've seen, because I do try to do my research through primary sources as mm -hmm. much as possible, Washington um, does admire Kosciuszko. Again, he does um, write to Congress and try to get Kosciuszko um, promoted to Brigadier General. He, mm -hmm. he eventually is at the end of the war. Um, so even though um, Kosciuszko had testified on behalf of St. Clair, um, he wasn't, he, Kosciuszko was very good in his politics. Like he, he got accused maybe of being a flatterer, but I think that's just his his nature is he, right. he always, um, he, he knew how to use it, but not in an insincere way. He, he was a very romantic person. Mm -hmm. So he always had a kind and flowing word for people. But whenever he would write to Gates, whenever he wrote to Washington, um, you know, early on the war, later on the war, he was always um, recommitting himself to Washington to mm -hmm. Gates saying, you know, I, I really am here for you. I really do believe in the cause. I, I, my attachment was the word he was used. It's very sincere. Mm. And after the war, he goes back to Poland. He does. He goes back to Poland. He um, seeks to bring some of the, the freedom and independence that we have to his own home country. 
um, there's what's called the Kosciuszko uprising, you know, the winners choose the names. Right. And so he ends up um, incarcerated for a while. It's not until uh, Catherine the Great of Russia passes that her son frees him from his mm. incarceration, but he is banished um, wow. from Poland for the rest of his life. He never gets to, never mm. gets to go home. They wow. say um, when he was when he was buried, I think they they sent they kept his heart um, because they wanted to when Poland was free send it home. I think it did eventually um, mm -hmm. get buried in Warsaw, but the rest of his body is in Switzerland. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I, I know you probably didn't focus as much on his European experiences in the 1790s, but apparently he was five thousand men holds off twenty thousand rush thirty thousand Russians at the siege of Dubienka and. Uh, when he's trying to preserve a unified Poland and the Russia and Prussia are dividing it up. And that's one of the real tragedies of Poland in this period. And he's trying to um, hold it together. Yeah, he was unfortunately injured, um, injuries that lasted the rest of his life. When he did pass and they did an autopsy, they could still see the, the sword wounds in his head. He had a permanent wound. Mm -hmm. um, he lived in Philadelphia for eight months. Um, in the 1790s, he came back, he befriended then Vice President Thomas Jefferson, um, and, and they became close friends. In fact, Kosciuszko put a Jefferson in charge of his back pay because he collected almost none of his pay during the war. He gave oh, it wow. to Jefferson and made him executor. And his instructions, of course, were to educate mm -hmm. and free Jefferson's own enslaved people which Jefferson worked around or cause she was mm. like, if you can't do that, just go buy some slaves and free them, please. Um, wow. But, but mm. he, he was injured in the leg. So he needed help walking for the rest of his life. He had a crutch, but he, he needed the assistance of other people to help him walk. And he did have the hand wound. So he, he gave and bled a lot for our country, for his country. He did. And, uh, Jonathan reminds me that there are a couple of places named for him. It would be interesting to find out how, Kushkiusko, Mississippi, or Kushkiusko County in Indiana pronounce it. I know there's a Mount Kisco that is based on him. And in South Boston, there's a Kushkiusko Circle, and there's a Kushkiusko um, Highway in New Jersey. So the name lives on in a lot of places. And I wonder how it is pronounced. And I had, um, I've, I've heard it a couple different ways. I was just in Boston, of course, and saw the statue and mm -hmm. I heard somebody pronounce it Cusiesco. Yeah. And somebody came up to me and I guess that is a, a regional thing, Cusiesco. Um, but I had, because I do in my book, try to, to say how to pronounce it. I, mm -hmm. I did the best research I could, you know, yeah. with different places. I was very happy when the historian at West Point was talking about opening up the time capsule from his base and she pronounced it Kosciuszko. Good. And apparently in uh, Kosciuszko, Mississippi, there's a statue of him by a sculptor, I think Diana Shogun. She's also made a sculpture of Kosciuszko with a grip of hull. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. We have two bridges in New York named for him. In fact, the bridge that spans the Mohawk River that right. leads from Saratoga County into Albany, something I, um, you know, growing up drove over my entire life, you know, not knowing who the guy was. We just call it the Twin Bridges, but it's the, that is Kosciuszko Memorial Bridge. Well, now we know. And now thank you know. for helping to you know, make more people aware of the incredible story and uh, contribution of General Thaddeus Kosciuszko. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We've been talking with Kirsten Marcel, who is an author, adventurer into history. Her 
Um, the first book in her series, Witness to the Revolution, is out, an adult fantasy time involving time travel. It's a lot of fun. And we have been talking about General Thaddeus Kosciusko. I want to thank, thank you for joining us from Chicago now. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you. And I want to thank Jonathan Lane, both for feeding me information during the show and for our, being our producer. And, our listeners, you know, we thought initially when we started these podcasts, we'd have a handful of friends in and around Massachusetts listening in, but we have people really all over the world tuning in, and I want to thank them. And so uh, folks in both Plymouth, Massachusetts, and in Plymouth, Montserrat, uh, New Bedford, and Sao Paulo, Brazil, New Bedford, Massachusetts, of course, and Honolulu, and places in between and beyond, thanks for joining us. And if you are in one of these places, send Jonathan Lane an email jlane at revolution250.org or if you have an idea for something you'd like us to talk about or someone you'd like us to talk to let us know and jonathan will send you one of our revolution 250 refrigerator magnets and now we'll be piped out on the road to boston thanks for joining us